0: A new one in the Liege, I think it is very cool, excellent stuff. Um, and what about the water baptisms? Those of you that were here early this morning, we had six <laughs> baptized in water, amen. What a great way to start an Easter Sunday! Um, and make sure you get your family taken back at the family photo booth. Uh, Tracy Stewart will be back there taking pictures on your own device so that you can have them immediately. Okay. And post them on Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you're at. You know, in just a little bit, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt for the kids. 11.45 after the service, Up on the Roof. Sounds like one of those old songs, Up on the Roof, right? And uh, so, but I thought, you know, it's not fair for, you know, the kids to have all the fun. um, Get the Easter, you know, candy and all that kind of stuff. You know, when I was a kid, Easter was all about candy um, and so, I'll, let's have the ushers come forward, and we're going to pass out baskets. These little Easter bunnies coming forward. We're going to pa- I want I want you to pack your pockets full of Easter candy. All right. There's a, all kinds of Easter candy in there. So pack your pockets full. Um, don't be afraid to take more than one. Um, it's there for you, so you guys can get all sugared up, and then you can say na 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 to your kids, right? When when they're all sugared up this afternoon from the Easter egg hunt. So yeah, I would like to invite um, everyone back next Sunday to our series called Quiet the Riot. It's It's all about silencing the voices that destroy our lives. How many of you know there's a lot of voices that destroy our lives? Our own, obviously. Um, others, and the enemy. We have all sorts of lies that have been spoken over us, and all sorts of lies have been told us, or things that have been said that cut us down, that made us feel like we were less inadequate. And, uh, and so we're, we're, we're sort of taking some of those voices in the crowd that create that riot in our mind that causes us not to be able to sleep at night, and we're, we're p- bringing them up here, we're calling them out, and we're shutting them up. Amen? So I want to invite you back next Sunday uh, to our second part of our series, Quiet the Riot. Later on in the spring, I'm going to be talking about eternity in heaven. We've got a great, great uh, season ahead of us of the Word. We're going to talk about all sorts of fun things. Um, should, I, should, should I do something up here or you don't know, okay? Is this scratching something? No? All right, so Easter, Easter is all about reflecting, it's all about renewing, and it's all about rejoicing. Think about it. Easter is a great time to pause and reflect, right? And think about the cost of our salvation. Um, We had a Good Friday service over at High Point just uh, on Friday, and and just an opportunity to, to just reflect, to pause and reflect about the incredible price that was paid, that the pain and the agony of the cross and the crown. Um, that Jesus went through to pay for our salvation. Um, it's also a chance to renew our walk with the Lord and our relationship with Him. And I'm trusting that perhaps that'll happen here in this place for some of us, maybe that have drifted. And it's also a time to rejoice, right? The grave is empty. <laughs> and we can rejoice. Come on, somebody say amen. I know you're eating some candy and all that, but you can still get, get excited about the cross. Amen. So today, I know you may have chocolate on your hands, but today, can I ask all of us to stand for the reading of God's Word as we read the account of Jesus' resurrection from Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, on Sunday morning, on Easter Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away. From the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, And can I ask us to all read these next 17 words in green together? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, He has risen. Remember how He told you while He was with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day He would be raised again. And they remembered His words. When they came back from the tomb, imagine this with me, if you will, They went to the graveyard, they they checked out the tomb, he wasn't there, this is all happening, this is all going down. So they say, you know, we got to go tell the others. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told his disciples. But they did not believe the women. Because there, can we read these next six words in green together? Words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away. And can we read these last six words? Wondering to himself what had happened. Let's pray. God, thank you. your word, the entrance of your word gives us light, gives us life. I'm praying, God, that every single person under the sound of my voice would experience renewal in our hearts, would reflect, would renew, and would rejoice on this great Easter Sunday morning. Come now, make your word alive, make it real to all of us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Maybe seated. Hey, if you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hands. Our ushers will get you a copy of that outline. The greatest story, the greatest event. In the history of the Christian church, as a matter of fact, in the history of the world, was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's the catch. Many of Jesus' disciples, his followers, almost missed it completely. Almost missed it completely. During his time on earth, Jesus spoke of his death and his resurrection but his disciples didn't get it his disciples didn't get it when when he died it's not like they all said okay you know everything's going according to plan <laughs> you know he'll be he'll he'll be crucified yeah we see that but he will also be raised on the third day now they didn't say that they didn't say that at all right uh, instead instead they scattered You read the Gospels, you'll see. I mean, some went into hiding, some some went back to fishing, right? Some one even uh, committed suicide. It's clear by their actions that they did not expect Jesus to rise from the dead. Yet he did, after being crucified on Friday. He he was placed in the tomb, and He rose on the third day. Sunday morning, He rose again. The greatest miracle in history happened before their eyes. But the disciples weren't ready to believe it. It seemed like it was too good to be true. They soon were proven wrong. They saw the resurrected Christ. As a matter of fact, He walked with them. How many of you have read that he would just randomly just show up in a conversation <laughs> on the road to Emmaus? He just popped in, right, and started talking to his disciples. He ate with them. He, he actually, you know, showed up one Sunday morning or one morning and said, Hey, cast your nets on the other side. And then he made breakfast for them and sat and ate with them. He, he talked with them. He ate with them. And he even allowed Thomas to touch his hands and his side to prove that it was really, really him. Some, some critics um, actually have tried to portray his disciples as a group of con artists who scammed the public into believing that Jesus had risen from the dead. But what really happened was that Jesus, when Jesus died, his disciples ran for their lives, you know, feeling that they were maybe next in line. They weren't thinking, how oh, can we fool the public? They were thinking about how to save their own skin. <laughs> and when they heard the story of the resurrection, they didn't even believe it. And here's the deal. Here's, here's the, 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 the situation I want to extend to you today. Here's the deal. Nearly 2,000 years later, when we're faced with the possibility of God doing a great work in our lives, when God doing a great miracle our reaction is often the same as that of the disciples. We don't believe it. We don't think it's possible. It's too good to be true, perhaps. When that happens, we run the risk of missing out on a miracle. Just as the disciples... All right, so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to change this up so we don't irritate you for the whole service. By that Sorry guys. So, so here's the deal. The resurrection of Jesus was the greatest miracle in history, but it wasn't the last. Did you hear me? It wasn't the last. Life is full of miracles. God is still at work, and he still is in the miracle-working business, touching lives, changing lives, answering prayers and doing great things, still doing miracles. We saw miracles this morning at the baptism where lives have been changed, and, and a year ago, those, some of those people weren't even believers in Christ. And today they acknowledge Jesus as Lord of their lives. He's still in the miracle-working business. Some people experience this on a regular basis, and some people don't. Whether or not you do depends on how you approach God's work in your life. In Luke chapter 24, we read a story that has some meaning. And it talks about some of the miracles some of the miracles that you and I could actually miss if we're not careful. Here's three mistakes that I think we need to avoid. First of all, if we're going to experience a miracle, first of all, first of all, we need to seek the living among the dead. When we seek the living among the dead, that's a mistake. The women who came to Jesus' tomb Sunday morning weren't expecting an encounter with the risen Christ. Did you hear me? They weren't going there to see the risen Christ. They were expecting to see a dead man, lying in a grave, wrapped in a shroud. They expected him to be dead, and they expected him to stay dead. To them, he wasn't the risen Messiah. He was a dead rabbi. They didn't go to the tomb to celebrate the resurrection. They went to mourn his death. They wanted to see Jesus, but they were looking in the wrong place. Come on, somebody. They were looking in the wrong place. They looked for him among dead people, but he wasn't dead. The man at the tomb said, why do you look? Come on, help me now. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. 17 words that would change the course of human history. And I think, I think we often do the same thing in our lives. We seek, we seek the living among the dead. We seek life among those things that only lead to death. We often look for all the right things in all the wrong places. We all can be guilty of that when, when we're unhappy or when we're unfulfilled. We tell ourselves, uh, maybe another drink will make me feel better. Or maybe a handful of pills will ease the pain. Or maybe if I just stuff myself with food or candy, right, <laughs> then I'll feel good. Or maybe maybe it's a new car. Maybe if I get a new car, maybe that'll do the trick. Or, or maybe it's a new relationship. Maybe Maybe that relationship will make me feel better. Or maybe if I just have more fun, if I can just have more fun, maybe... Maybe that'll make me feel better. See, we have a tendency to look for fulfillment in all these things, but none of them will actually work. None of them will actually fulfill our lives. We look for fulfillment in all these things, but none of them actually work. It's like, it's like actually seeking the living among the dead. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to have fun or to be happy or loved. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have a sense of fulfillment in our lives, but it's futile for us to seek those things in ways that cannot possibly work. It's like seeking the living among the dead. Several years ago, I met a man by the name of Steve and his wife. They were getting ready to have a divorce had each had affairs and had completely destroyed their trust in one another steve sincerely wanted to reconcile but but every attempt failed and his wife you know his wife just created more distance between themselves she drove him away with her anger and he drove her away with his jealousy he and his wife also saw marriage counselors together and separately in a private session one of the counselors said You just might as well face it. You need to start getting ready to be a a single dad. And Steve's wife had scheduled an appointment with an attorney that next Monday. As a last-ditch effort, she talked Steve into coming to our church. Desperate for anything, he said, okay. And of all the subjects I could preach on that Sunday morning, my topic was how to experience a miracle in your marriage. That morning, when I gave the invitation... Steve and his wife came forward. They gave their lives to Jesus, and Jesus gave their marriage new life. Amen? Yeah, you can give them a hand. See, for months, for months, they had been trying to bring life into their marriage without going to the source of life. If there's an area of your life today that is dying, perhaps there's an area of your life that is dead or is dying, God wants to fill your life with himself. But you can't experience his power if you keep going back to the graveyard. (laughs) You're not going to find it there. You're not going to find the living among the what? Among the dead. Happy hour won't make you happy. An affair won't make you feel more loved. A divorce won't take away the isolation and hurt. The accumulation of possessions won't increase your self-worth. Stop seeking the living among the dead. If you want to experience God's miraculous power in your life, then look to the source of life. His name, come on, someone help me, is what? Jesus Christ. The second mistake I think we all need to avoid if we're going to experience miracles in our lives is what Peter said, or the disciples said. Is number two, we consider God's promises to be nonsense. We consider God's promises to be nonsense. After the woman, women had heard of the resurrection, they ran to tell his disciples. And verse 11 says they did not believe the women, but because, they were, but because their words seemed to them like what? Nonsense, yeah, non- nonsense. Can you, like, can you believe that? That's crazy. There's just no way. It's nonsense. The story of the resurrection of Jesus seemed to his most devoted followers to be nothing but a bunch of nonsense. Even after, I mean, can you imagine this? Even after they spent those years with Jesus, Even after they had seen him do all the crazy stuff, the miracles, the the raising of Lazarus. You know, all the things that he did, the miracles they saw happen before their eyes. They thought this whole resurrection thing was what? Come on, was what? Nonsense. Luke chapter 18, verse 31 says, We are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. Yet they didn't get it. The disciples didn't get it. They they didn't hear it. They didn't understand it. And they were, when they were presented with the truth of his resurrection, they called it what? Nonsense. They called it nonsense. Now think about your own life. I've known Christians who were sick. And instead of praying for healing, they just decided, you know what? That whole idea of God still doing miracles and God being able to heal our lives is all a bunch of nonsense. Nonsense. I've known people who had messed up marriages like Steve and Kathy. And instead of praying and trusting God for a miracle, they just believed that this whole idea of miracles, this whole idea of God turning things around and intervening in their lives was nothing but a bunch of nonsense. I've known Christians who have fallen and pastors who have left the ministry in disgrace that never really stopped to think, that God could turn that around, that God could intervene and do a miracle because they thought all of that was a bunch of nonsense. Do you see how that could hold all of us back? How can God perform miracles in our lives when we consider the notion of a miracle to be a bunch of nonsense? Always remember this, you will never out-prosper your belief system. You'll never out-prosper your belief system. If you you don't believe it, chances are it's not going to happen to you. You'll never out-prosper your belief system. The Word tells us again and again, nothing, what? Nothing is impossible with our God that no situation is beyond his power to save, that nothing in this world can separate us from the love of God. Come on, somebody say amen. (laughs) So often we reject these ideas as a bunch of nonsense, wishful thinking, or a harebrained idea, or harebrained theology. Listen, can I tell you, if you have a belief system that excludes God's power from working in your life, you need a new belief system. Did you hear me? Why? Because it's based on something other than His word. You can't read His word and tell me that God still is not in the miracle-working business. Vicky and I have experienced so many miracles. We experienced a miracle in our marriage back in 1977, when we were Christians and married, but somehow were at each other's throat. She was at my throat more than I was at her throat, just so you know. (laughs) But God intervened and did a miracle. And here almost 43 years later, we're here, amen? Still rejoicing, still growing, still thanking God for all that he's done. Listen, can I tell you, God wants to do a miracle in your life. Easter reminds us that miracles still happen. he can't do it if we have the same knee-jerk reaction his apostles had. Don't ever call God's promises nonsense. Don't ever call God's heart to heal nonsense. Don't ever call what God calls good nonsense. Think of the greatest challenge today that you face. Right now, the greatest obstacle that you face right now. Now think of the best imaginable solution for that problem. And as you think of that best possible solution to that problem, there's a voice in the back of your mind that says, don't do it. It'll never happen. God cannot do stuff like that, or he won't provide a solution. Don't even bother to hope. Listen, don't listen to that voice. In our series Quiet the Riot, we've been talking about the lies that we believe. Don't listen to that voice. Jesus said that we have a new Father, and the voice of our Father we hear, the voice of a stranger we will not follow. Listen, listen to the voice of God that encourages you to step out of the boat. And believe God for a miracle that you can indeed walk on the water. Listen, a solution can happen. And I believe will happen if you allow God to work in your life. Listen listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him, speaking of Christ, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is work at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations for what? Ever and ever. Notice, we're still in that forever and ever, right? God's still doing miracles. God's still in the miracle working business. And the idea of God working a miracle in your life isn't nonsense. Amen? It's his promises to you. Choose to believe it. a third mistake we make, if we're going to experience a miracle, is we are reluctant to see life with the eyes of faith. We're reluctant to see life with the eyes of faith. The Bible says, he went away wondering to himself what happened. Wondering to himself what happened. Even when he was confronted with the signs of the resurrection, Peter was still afraid to believe it. And you and I, oftentimes, when we are confronted with signs of God working in our lives, we oftentimes want to explain it away as some other thing. Just recently heard of a person who was in the hospital, came home to die, And she went to a church service, you know, getting prepared to die. And God touched her and did a miracle. And people started to explain maybe it was the fresh air. She got out of the house. And so maybe the fresh air is what helped her get better. Instead of saying, God did a miracle. (laughs) We're so afraid to to simply say, God did a miracle. I had an infected bone in my foot and And I had so many things happening. I was in the hospital, and it was pretty, pretty dark for a while. And uh, three people said, three doctors, three specialists, told Vicky and I we needed to cut it off. We needed to amputate it. We trusted to the Lord. The doctor walked into walked into my room the other day on Friday and said, "That foot is a miracle. God did a miracle. You're healed." See, we're so afraid to say that we go away wondering. We walk away wondering. Peter walked away wondering. He left the tomb wondering. As far as I can tell, there were only two possible options to consider. I mean, either someone stole the body of Jesus, or he had been raised from the dead. I don't know about you, but I choose to believe option number two. See, Peter Peter still wasn't sure. He saw the shroud in the tomb, but it didn't convince him. He thought there must be another explanation. If you're trying to explain away every good thing that happens in your life, you will miss out on experiencing the fullness of God's power. Did you hear me? You will, you will miss out on experiencing the fullness of God's power. When you see the signs of God's work in your life, instead of scratching your head and thinking, there must be another explanation, you don't want to go away wondering. Just allow yourself to believe. Put yourself out there and trust God to do a miracle. Choose to look at life through the eyes of faith. See God's work in your life and give him the credit and the glory that is due unto him for all he has done. Amen? As we close today, the worship team comes. God still works miracles today, and he wants to work a miracle in your life. Did you hear me? God still wants to work a miracle in your life. He can do above and beyond all that we ask or imagine, and he can take away every situation, and he can take every event that happens in our lives and miraculously work them for our good. What is it you need for him today? What is it you need from him today? Think about it. What is it? He's here. Right now, he's here. He's wanting. He's waiting for you to simply ask him. Can we stand together? What is it that you need for God to do for you today? How many of you would admit today that you need God to do something miraculous in your life? Would you raise your hand? You need for him. You're, you're going to put yourself out there and say, I don't believe this is nonsense. I believe God can do this. Let me see your hands all over this place. Wow. 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 How many of you would say this morning, you know, I'm 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 not really following the Lord right now. And I want to follow him. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And I'm not doing that. And today, Easter Sunday, I want I want to do that. I want to give him back my life. How many of you would say that's me? Raise your hand. God bless you. Father, thank you for your heart for your children. God, thank you that the resurrection reminds us that nothing is impossible with our God. Nothing. That means nothing. There's nothing too difficult for you. And God, we choose to believe today that you can still turn that around. Whatever that is to you, just insert that. That you can still turn that around. We ask you. You said we have not because we ask not. We ask you, you said, whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We call upon you. We ask you to do some miracles, God. Not because we're so good, but because Jesus paid the price in full. For our salvation, that's all-inclusive. Spirit, soul, and body. So God, we ask you right now to intervene. We ask you right now to get involved. And all of the folks that raise their hand, we ask you. You're here right now wanting to get involved, waiting to get involved. So we trust you for miracles today. Miracles, miracles. Let the stone be rolled away in people's lives. Let the dead be made alive again. I speak to marriages. Do a miracle in marriages today that are struggling. I speak to friendships. Do a miracle in the area of friendships God, that are struggling that are distant. I speak to sin patterns. Those that are struggling in their lives with alcohol or drugs or, or porno- pornography, God, whatever that might look like. All the different areas of sin patterns in our life. I speak to them. I, br- I pray, God, for miracles. That the power of the enemy would be broken. I speak to wayward children today. Those that are drifting in questioning. God, I I pray for a miracle in the minds of your young ones, for their faith to be restored, that they would simply accept, accept the truth of the gospel, not as nonsense, but as miraculous. In Jesus' name.